<laughs> I have started so many episodes with you going, so yeah, I, I basically scrub along until I find a moment where you say it and that's where the episode starts. Mm-hmm. I'm to purposely <laughs> avoid that now. So. Yeah, you're just a dead silence from the other side. Okay, fantastic, well done. Um, we were talking to Kev recently about, um, uh, about background artists, was it Kev? Uh, one of the other episodes about people in the background swinging swords and brushing and not quite yes. doing yeah. the actions. So I'm hopefully going to be uh, in the background in Vikings as of Monday um, okay. to give us a shout. So I'm going to go down to that and I'm going to see how many pantomime motions I can do in the background <laughs> before I mean, they I, just kick me off I, the set. How many everyday actions can you fuck up? Exactly. <laughs> it's just just me basically charading things in the background as they're as they're trying to do. just be doing a horse, little doing the reins <laughs> and stuff <laughs> while there's no <laughs> reins there. Excellent, yeah. That'll be good crack. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. I, I don't know. I've, I've watched that fucking that trailer for Glass like three or four times, that new one. There's yes. Because like, you're going through and there's so many little details in it and I'm like, because it's a fucking M. Night Shyamalan trailer so he's yeah. loading in stuff into it. But uh, It's, there's so much going on. I, I was watching it and just pausing it on um, McAvoy's neck just to see the butt the bundle of cables that wasn't next. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As I, as I was saying, no, no, no mice on his shoulders. There's too many traps. <laughs> um, traps too big. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I love oh, it. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. Right, we'll start off. I'm Johnny Lynch. That's Glennon. We're joined by friend of the Shinobi, uh, Nate Murphy. <laughs> and I'm here too. <laughs> uh, we're here to examine how tropes bleed across movies, TV shows, and video games. Welcome to Dystropia. That's the, that's the start. It's very good. Uh, Sinead is the person who's been on the podcast most often after me and Glennon because you were the voice saying dystopia oh, <laughs> under, the, under the starting yeah. music for like the first 10 episodes. Oh man, I, I forgot about it was that. more than the first I, 10. I don't was... listen. I don't listen, okay? I no. just, I listen to Johnny talk so much that I <laughs> do like... it anymore voluntarily without being able to rebut him. Like, it's just torture. So. You can't, I you have can't tell him he's really... wrong, so it's like, yeah, like, exactly. That's, like, that's the only saving grace in a conversation with him anyway. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, there would be no reason for me to. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, uh, to put yourself through that, but of course, yeah. uh, this episode Contextless, is that's what I am. this episode is nineties uh, kids. Nineties kids will remember nineties nostalgia kind of feel. Yeah, nineties nineties nostalgia because I was like I'm more of an eighties kid. I am old. Yeah. Um. <gasps> so like you know I was I was eight when the nineties happened. I know, right? <gasps> That's all right. You, you can, you've got a, a different perspective. That was get you. the calculator right. That was little spotty. Uh, uh, the run-up to 18-year-old Glennon all through the 90s. That was, that's kind of fun. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I was probably most, I'm probably most heavily influenced by the 90s, though, so... Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. In the that 90s were where you kind of, like, you were at that age where you could absorb pop culture. Whereas, like, I was, like, 11 when the 90s ended, so, you know, it's very, very early stuff for me. You've got that real fundamental stuff in there. Yeah, you, yeah. You were like, I've never seen, like, I've never I've never seen a Saturday morning that didn't have cartoons. Exactly, that was just the, the starting point for myself. Yeah, fair enough. Back when it was yeah. like, it's like, what do you mean TV only had four channels? What do you know about? <laughs> yeah. Nonsense. See, I remember growing up with see what's on the other side and just would click over <laughs> to the other channel. <laughs> it was like, nah, nah, put it back, click back. And, to the and, first and, and it was always, it, it wasn't, when you say click, you didn't have a remote. It was whoever was the youngest in the family had to sit by the TV yes. to do it. Like, Yeah. 
Yeah. You yeah. timed them to see how fast they could do it. That was, I, the, that was the classic trick. Exactly. So I'll see how fast you can get Come to the TV on. and back. I've got my Casio stopwatch here. <laughs> go, go see how fast you can do it. Brilliant. Look at you, you fancy prick with your watch. I know. <laughs> there was Glennon looking at his wrist as if he had a watch. He's like, go on, go on. That was, on. Man, that was 10 seconds. Well done. Uh, 10 seconds. Uh, Shoddy. Mm. Do you want to kick us off there, Glennon, then, with movies? Um, yeah, I kind of want to look at, like... I couldn't pick which movie kind of summed up the 90s most for me. So I found, I found essentially a, a, a trilogy, an unofficial trilogy, okay. um, all featuring the same actor, and they all kind of encompassed the 90s. For me, oh, at man, least. I, if you've written Freddie Prince Jr. as well, then we're oh going to have some overlap. <laughs> it's uh, Terminator 2, Eraser, and End of Days. Oh, wow. Amazing, fantastic. Those, those three films... So like Terminator Two, I'd I'd seen Terminator One yeah. on TV, and when Terminator Triumph. Two came out on video, it was like, uh, you know, uh, my family got it out from the video store, and I remember watching it and just being blown away. I was like, mm. like the T One Thousand thing just blew my mind. Yes. The, oh, absolutely. And to, like to this day, it all stands up perfectly. Yeah, and I was just like, how on earth? Um, mm. And it's it's you know it's there. I don't I can't find a flaw in that film. There's no, there's there's nothing. Well, sorry, no. There's a single flaw. The Terminator can impersonate John Connor's voice, but he still insists on speaking with an Austrian accent in America. <laughs> Other than that, it's fine. Um, I don't know. I, I choose to believe that they basically have their program and like, talk like this. People will be terrified and they won't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to close you with your motorcycle. I am on the back heel already. What are you doing? So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it is a fantastic film. It is... Mm. It, it, it's kind of one of the masterpieces of 90s cinema yep um, and at the time it had like it a, a, a ridiculous budget and it made a ridiculous amount of money so for 1992 it cost somewhere in the region of 100 million to make yeah which is unheard of like at that time and because like most films like Waterworld people were like oh my god this is an insane amount of money and it's like mm, that was like yeah. 40 million or something yeah it's like, was it? no, Terminator 2 was like right up there um, yep. and then it, like it made back like half a billion in the box office. Yes, like yeah, it's it, oh, it is absolutely insane film. And then I was like, and and this was obviously as at the point where I'm starting to become more aware of Arnold Schwarzenegger and how big he ideally is in cinema because the first time you see him, you have no idea who he is. You're like, yeah, big guy with muscles. Okay, it's the same as every other film I've seen with an action guy in it. Um, yeah, but yeah, that like and I'd seen Predator and then I saw this and I was like, okay, hang on. I saw Terminator 1 starting and then I saw this and then like um, and then I was confused because then I saw this, I think I saw the, then the this Predator 2 and I was like wait this is what, what, hang on hang on the first <laughs> you sequel. kept the Predator but you didn't keep <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the first sequel where the main character didn't come across I'm like no I don't understand I like you've seen film, Predator 1 right you know why he's not in 2 <laughs> so um, and then Eraser I remember going to see Eraser in the cinema Eraser and um, uh, Barb Wire have a, this, this, they sit on a similar shelf in my head in that they both have an amazing uh, opening sequence where in Eraser it's a suit up sequence mm-hmm. where he's putting all the guns on his belt and putting like thumbing uh, bullets into a bandolier and like putting knives into sheaths and things yeah. and uh, Barb Wire opes with uh, Pamela Anderson stripping in the dark and to me, I'm like, oh, you're just introducing a character in the most ex- like action exploitation and like you know sexploitation ways pop- 
possible. And I was like, all right, I see what I'm in for for the movie. That's show, don't tell. Let's do this. Yeah. And it, like, I remember going to see Eraser in the cinema and it was, I believe it was 18s when I went to see it. But it was mm. Irish cinema in the mid-90s. No one gave a shit. Um, yeah. I went in with my brother-in-law, um, my mate Sean, and we went in to see it. And it was in like the Omni and Santry where they have like the big... They have the lover's seats in the thing where there be two things. But it was a mid-afternoon showing, so we took one of those each. So like all three of us are like lounging across these couches. Like, <laughs> like, he was like Lord Byroning around on the couch. Great dangling above your head. And, I, and like you know, like it's 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 like it's I like I have that like you know the giant drink and the giant thing of popcorn and the packet of all like, But I'm only like I'm only like thirteen and I'm like oh, I don't know Decadent. a word for this feeling. And then like you know, my brother and I was like decadent that's it (laughs) (laughs) you must have looked like you shrank in your seat with just big everything around you oh my god but it was so um, good but yeah i just remember watching it and it was like it it, that was one that um again like the the special effects actually weren't terrible for again for a thing about a film about a gun that allowed you to see through walls yes and it was a rail gun so it had the weird like tracer round effect on it yeah yeah i remember and that was the first time i'd winced watching a film because there's a bit where they throw a nail bomb in where he is and he lifts oh, the yeah. door of the fridge goes through his hand goes through his hand and i was like jesus yeah. like that you know i nearly spilled me popcorn it was like <laughs> it, it was um it it, it it left a mark i was like okay and, and for a while i actually was like that's actually a pretty good action film it was a film that i'd go so, back and watch again and i was like yeah there's some bad stuff in this but it's it still holds up and i was kind of like all right okay yeah yeah and then like I end of days was like I was me, 16. just on the eraser me and my brother loved mm. that we must have had it on like a two uh, VHS set of that in Commando oh, but if nice. I was if I was 10 watching it Rory must have been 8 like it was yeah. we were far too young watching that yeah. Rory, I always remember Rory's films, younger then, like, than you and my younger sister was watching it too so she must have been Rory's younger seven. than me yeah he doesn't look yeah, it yeah it's kind of weird um, no, he doesn't look. Hi, Rory. Oh. He's, he's been in the he's been Hi, in the he's been in the California sun for too long. He's starting he's, to look a little bit like a spalding ball, oh, just like a raisin. Yeah. <laughs> I know you don't listen, Rory, but hi. Um, Thank God for it, Rory. But yeah, uh, the like yeah, Razor was like it was a very violent film, but I, I, it was done in such a way I think that it, the the violence wasn't what I was interested in. Because yeah, you know, when you yeah. first see those films as a kid, you're like, oh my god. But this film was just yeah. like its style. It was one of the first just stylish films that I remember seeing. Yeah, yeah. Because like previous to that, like action films were very like eighties action films, which I what I was exposed to on VHS in the nineties, were very kind of grimy and stripped down in a lot of ways. Yep. And this was kind of the first one where it was all about the style, and I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit hmm, interesting. Like, um, hmm. and then End of Days, which in a weird way it was kind of like that's the last. Uh, like that, that was pretty much what, uh, around the time that Arnie stopped making movies for a long time. Yeah, so that so, end of days was when he was trying to uh, stop the apocalypse, stop the Christian end of days. He's trying to stop Gabriel where, Byrne. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne is in it. That's right. Oh. Gabriel is Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne also in Stigmata. Yes, with Patricia Arquette. Yes, yes he did a he did a weird Christian evil but, run there for a while. And well, his no, name so, is Gabriel. I, th- I, I think he basically he, he decided to play both sides of the coin because yeah, there in, you go. in End of Days he's Satan. Right. And, it, and, then uh, it, and I remember kind of going like, it was like End of Days and the poster having the 999666 thing on it and I was like, okay, well, it's got Ernie, I'll go see it. And I was 16 <laughs> when it was in the cinema. 
there's a scene where Arnie bites into an apple and then looks at it and when he looks into the apple it's like a Bosch painting it's all come to life and it's yeah. all hands reaching up towards him and he goes ah and throws it away <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but there's, al- there's also like a very there's a scene in that film that I've always loved which is when um, well there's two things there's the, one, the weird looking albino guy who gets on the um, he's chasing mm. you on the, on the uh, yeah. uh, years before Robert Langdon there was this lad <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the on the subway and he goes to chase her and I think she pushes off him and he basically shatters like porcelain but his face keeps yeah. talking and I was kind of like oh. that's kind of fucked like um, but no the, the, I, I, it was the first time that Arnie I'd seen him be the kind of the broken hero he's now gone yeah, yeah. his family's dead he's like he's contemplating suicide in the mornings and I was kind of like Okay, and I, you'd seen that kind of in Lethal Weapon, but I was like, in this one, I was like, oh, he like this one's not played for laughs, and it's not played with a cheesy mm. sax thing in the background going, fucking, you know, Lethal Weapon music. <laughs> there's, there's a movie, I think it might be True Lies, maybe not True Lies, but there's one where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets up in the morning, puts a protein mix into a blender, then puts three eggs in, like nearly without cracking them, and then pours in a bottle of scotch, blends it, that, and no, starts drinking. That's, that's end of days. That's end of days. So yeah, that I, is think also, like, I think he also puts a slice of pizza in. <laughs> I, I, know, I, know I know it sounds like that's played for laps but that is played to like demonstrate how far he's fallen yeah you yeah, know it's it is, it is the gives zero fucks like it's, <laughs> he is he's doing what he does just to get through the day and yeah but, but like i also love gabriel byrne in that film because gabriel byrne I, there's very few like gabriel byrne is not a big guy yeah I, he is small of stature you know mm. he's what five foot nine five foot ten maybe if that yeah He's quite slim. He's he looks like he looks like your dad. He's not a big guy, you know. Yeah. And um, and he was very good, obviously, in, in stuff like uh, the Usual Suspects because he's just kind the of nineties movie, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to like end of days, he pulls off still being threatening when paired up against Arnie. Mm. Like there's a point where he picks Arnie up, and obviously it's done with like mirrors and whatnot and, you know, and smoke and mirrors like done with what? one, one they, would hope yes yeah, they, they couldn't afford wires um, yeah. but, he, but he picks him up and he throws him but and, and at no point are you like well, he's tiny you're like mm. yeah I'm completely buying into this yep. so it was like some really good examples of acting it was the first time I'd seen Arnie and like obviously like because over the course of the 90s I kind of devoured all of Arnie's films after seeing yep. Terminator 2 and then Eraser I was like go back and get all the VHS's and watch them all but end of days mm. was kind of the one where I was like, he's showing the broken guy. He's he's playing the, the, the the weird kind of like dendron, and it was weird because it kind of felt if you look at Terminator Two, Terminator Two was ninety two, I want to say, Eraser mm. was around ninety six, and then end of days and ninety five, ninety six, and then end of days is ninety nine, and it's literally like the start, middle, and end of the the decade. And if you look at the tone of the films, they go from absolute badass to loads of style and you know the odd one yeah, yeah. to super grim. And that's almost the arc for how action films in general went over that decade. Because they yeah, were all following the, the um, what Ernie was doing. Because he was a joke in the 80s. He was Conan the Barbarian punching a horse. He was... He was Handsome Stranger. Uh, I was named for yes. my father. Um, uh, like... He was doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I can I can totally see that as in like action movies being ridiculous and saxophones in the eighties suddenly becoming um like a bit grittier than grittier. The grittier. stuff that they're putting to the forefront, they yeah. like really big directors are getting into it. Well like see Predator was like people think Predator's an action film, it's not, it's a horror film. Predator mm. is the standard stalker slasher horror, except instead of it being helpless kids, it's fully armed marines. 
yes. which is what makes it worse because it's like they, they they're these guys are geared to take down armies and they can't take deal with this thing um yeah. and it, so it's the stalker slasher um thing and it, that was kind of the first thing of like but what if we do like people were looking at that and going oh this is a really good action film and the guys are like we made a horror and they're like no hang on hang on hang on, hang on. This is an action film. It's one of the first ones in a long time where you don't have the cheesy love interest. You don't have the the fucking buddy cop thing. You don't have the out for revenge. It is purely action, survive, deal with it. And like Terminator, obviously was huge, yeah. but Terminator was eighty four, so it was like it, like. And I, I know they wanted to go back to Terminator, and I think it was like if Predator hadn't have done so well, I, had the, I have a feeling that the tone of Terminator two would have been worse. Yeah, yeah. Because it's that kind of show that yes, there is still an interest. There is still people who want to see a serious action thing, and that's again, Terminator Two has the stalker slasher thing, the mm. relentless killer coming after you. Like, and oh. the original Terminator had that as well. But they like people class them as action films because the guys are going up against them have fully automatic weapons and aren't like you know hiding in their school locker. Oh, I mean, they're all based on the original Westworld, which was pretty much like a. a straight horror movie where it's somebody running from an unstoppable force mm. that's that's what Mike Myers is the force the shape the thing that's hunting you yeah yeah and it's yeah. I, I mean like the I just it, I, I just find it weird it's that it, you know it, uh, I suppose it's the whole thing of like Arnie you know he was the biggest thing in the 90s and mm. he very much like in his films very much shaped the trajectory of action the, films over the course of that decade and it kind of fell um, into the start of the 2000s the size of everyone, the size of Arnold Stallone and uh, Bruce Willis and stuff like that, uh, the the kind of the apex that they hit. Do you remember when they did the Planet Hollywood ad, mm-hmm. where they all they all bought shares in Planet Hollywood? And there's this amazing ad you can find on YouTube where the three of them are sitting around eating fries and like talking about how amazing the food is and talking about the movies. And then they all reveal they've got Planet Hollywood tattoos on their biceps and stuff yeah. like that. They're all showing them yeah, off, yeah, yeah. and like. You're like, so I'm watching this in the past. I'm watching this in the 90s. Like, I've seen every movie they've been in since then. They do not have Planet Hollywood tattoos. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> Continuity yes. problems here. And like, there's a bit where Bruce Willis is pulling up his seat <laughs> to show people. And you can see this. He kind of looks around and goes, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> it is amazing. Um, the the arc of kind of action movies there um, coming into the 90s makes sense. Uh, I'd love to talk then about the, the kind of arc of horror movies. What they kind Go of, for it. what way they went in the, in the 90s. Um, looking it up there just before we started, there's a lot of stuff on it about the 90s being the golden age of cinema, or being a golden age of cinema. Really? Where, yeah, j- yeah 100%. that was my reaction as well. I mean, it okay, I can, I can, no, hang on, hang on, I can, I can see that, like, you have the first Matrix, you have Shawshank Redemption, you have Terminator 2, uh, you but have you, yeah, uh, you've Titanic, got times where <coughs> Titanic, you Titanic. Gladiator, you have... The Lion King. Yeah, like, like yeah. I can see there's examples, but there's an awful lot of fucking there's, muck. There's there a lot of muck, but it, me- muck. it meant that if you were going to the cinema any month, like or any year in the '90s, you could go and it would be Pulp Fiction versus um, Forrest Gump versus Shawshank Redemption mm. versus like thing things were out. It wasn't just oh, there's a big movie out. There would be two gigantic movies out. There would be like Jurassic Park would be out this month and Independence to, Day. To be fair, Shawshank kind of flopped at the box office. That kind of it did that, that developed its cult following afterwards. That is very true. Did not know that. Um, yeah, there was a box office failure. Wow! But I've heard this for ages, and I. I do you know what? I, I think it's because loads and loads of different kinds of movies um, all evolved and took a step forward in the 90s. I don't think it was like, I can't just say, well, the 80s was action movies. I can't just say the 90s was X, Y, or Z. I think with Titanic being this genre-busting thing, like, is it an epic? Is it a romance? Is it everything? 
with Independence Day, with all Jurassic Park being a monster movie, I guess, or is it about man's hubris? But which is all monster yeah. movies. Um, it's a sci-fi there's so as much well. stuff. But uh, I really, really like that horror um, took a step forward and became meta horror with Scream mm. and um, In the Mouth of Madness and. Um, you had all the like oh the, the start of the found footage stuff with the Blair Witch like Blair Witch. That, that, like, I remember going to in see that in the cinema. Oh I remember God. going to see opening night Blair Witch in the cinema. Oh, that yeah. was, that was, that was an unreal experience because the place was packed and there's me and maybe like ten or twelve of my mates there, and yep. like the like there were certain parts of that scene where the entire audience just stopped moving. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. oh yeah, and like and when, when was, they went quiet, you went quiet. Yeah, and then and then the ending happened, and like you know we all got up and leave, and half my mates were like, I don't get it, and the other half were going, that ending was terrifying. What are you talking about? Like, Why was he just standing there? It's like were you not listening? So, There's like twenty lines so, of dialogue in a whole film, and it's like you missed you missed three of them. You missed it all. I my, I have two older sisters, and they went to see it. Uh, we were down in Sligo, and they went to see it by themselves, and came and met us afterwards in a like to get a meal or something. And I've never, I've never seen two people more affected by a movie. Great. And it was the greatest thing ever. Because I was sitting there, like, like eating a pizza and maybe a glass of wine, looking at them going, so, uh, what, what's the crap? Maybe I was too young for wine. But, like, what's the crap? What was it? And they were, ju- they were just staring down going, where were the handprints from? And I was like, what are you talking about? I need more information what about this. What do you this. mean weird? Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, so are the actors okay? And I was like, I think they're dead. And I was like, yeah, what yeah. act? Did you go and see a snuff movie? No, but that was the whole thing. It was like, yeah. the marketing around it was so, like, genius. And that, like, they yeah. kind of made out like it was. You know, the, yeah. like, it was Shroud and Mystery. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they had that, like, air of, well, maybe we did literally find this. And we were too naive. As an audience, <laughs> well, to like, know to that like fair, there was a decade or two of this to come, and that we'd all we'd all be sick of it by the end of the last <laughs> paranormal whatever activity. Paranorman, yes, I've seen it. To, 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 to be fair with that, Paranorman like the, Bates. One of the um, one of the like a big chunk of the pr- uh, promotional budget for that film yeah. went on creating a documentary that was circulated on TV in the run up mm. to coming out, where they were interviewing oh. historians and all this, and the historians were like basically bullshitting. Oh yeah, and, the, and they were putting together the equivalent of Wikipedia pages back in the day. Of all these fan sites about the yeah. Blair Witch, and yeah. they, some yeah. of them contradicted each other. Some of them were clearly like MySpace, GeoCities, yeah. um, uh, what was it, Angel Fire sites of people talking about this like oh, weird yeah. woods in their town. And it's like I, it, it was weird because like, going to it, I, I, um, I remember it was mentioned. I think it was in something a uh, review beforehand, and it mentioned the last broadcast, and I was like, oh, so I know what this is. Yeah, but none of my mates had seen the last broadcast. So they had no fucking idea, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to say it." And I'm not going to, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know. Uh-huh. And it's it's weird. I've I've seen. I remember going to see um, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, which is kind of like the original one. Yeah, oh, so that's yeah. that's the one. If you were aware of Cannibal Holocaust, I bet you would have been fine with the Blair Witch. Yeah. Okay, so right. yeah, like Cannibal Holocaust. Of what they were doing. Yeah, Cannibal Holocaust was like a '70s one, and yeah. it was right. one of the original video nasties. Um, yeah. and it was like because they, they basically went up into the Amazon and recorded and filmed um, yeah. when they were there the, they were like okay so we're gonna you know we need to we have to feed this crew and, and actors so one of the local villagemen was like well I'm gonna go hunting so you can just come and film it yeah, um, yeah. And, and they filmed it and they worked it into the film so you actually see them kill and butcher and prepare for food a turtle mm. okay. um, a freshwater turtle and people were like and because that that was done and like and and you could see it happening and there's no cuts and then the special effects were so well done with other parts of the film that people just couldn't tell because they they'd seen something and they knew 100 percent that they had seen an animal being killed on screen yeah yeah 
and then Even they the see best people getting the pulled apart later and they're like I don't know which is which yeah the best special effects in the world I can point at and go um, oh I see how you did that or oh, right, yeah. or you know now that CGI can go well that's where the CGI would have kicked in I've seen scenes in Cannibal Holocaust where I'm staring at going I couldn't recreate that I don't know if in, this is... if I was given six months to do there's, it. there's a bit of like the impale thing is, is probably the most yeah. impressive part so there's, there's basically a point where at that. there's a point where they find a native girl who um, had been interacting with the the, the guys who get the film crew who gets lost and they find her impaled right and she's naked and it basically looks like it's coming out her mouth and going up uh, through her privates right hmm. um, mm-hmm. and what it actually was was that the, the part coming out of her mouth was fiberglass and there was like a, a bit she could bite into to hold it in her mouth hmm. oh. and there was a small uh, seat on the thing so the she was seat. sitting oh. on a bike seat yeah. and she is perfectly still that's it that's the scene and the like, camera comes bit. out and pans wow. around her and, and you're looking at it going I have no idea how they did this yeah and when I saw it, it, it was at the the Harathon which is actually coming up I would recommend yeah. it for anyone listening who's in Ireland and in Dublin and you're a fan of horror at uh, the Bank Holiday Weekend every October they do a Harathon film festival in the IFI now, oh, a lot yeah, of, yeah. and it's like five days of horror films and they have advanced screenings and stuff hmm. when they showed a, a Cannibal Holocaust that they had the director there and he was telling us that part of it was he's an Italian guy and it was translated but because his English isn't great but he was like he was telling us that when they made the film he part of the package for paying all the actors was to pay the crew to essentially like here's here's three months of the use of my private villa up in the mountains mm. okay. go off the grid and he was arrested for murder yes they um, the police as he was going crossing over some country they they opened his boot found this film the director was the director yeah they they played some of the film some people being butchered essentially thought it was a stuff film and basically people being butchered who now couldn't be found oh my god and he was put on trial and he had to ring and go guys you need to come down here yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god and it was like but it was um and and i remember them asking him about like what do you think of the influence it's had last broadcast blair witch and stuff like that and he was like i actually really like blair witch and last broadcast some of the other Mm. stuff hasn't been great but i i I was very impressed with blair witch because blair witch showed that uh my show my film is very much i will show you what's happening Mm. yeah and i was trying to blur the line so people couldn't know if it was real or not and blair witch does a great job of not showing you anything yeah, and still having the same effect um so it was actually kind of i was i was i was impressed that he was even like yeah no no i liked it because he's yeah. kind of like the originator of all this and i was kind of like hmm, okay fair enough if the, if this guy's on board like you know I'm not, i, I yeah. won't listen i'm i'm not going to uh, to go actually no i don't think you're right it's like no he knows more about this than anyone <laughs> else so sorry a bit uh, of a detour the- i just i remember seeing it it was, yeah. it was incredible like just to see how it was made and stuff and, and talk to him about it on the on the meta horror thing, I, I was saying about Scream, which is basically Wes Craven taking the slasher genre that we were that yeah. we all kind of love, but like being self-referential. Sure, yeah. Um, we had Ring, the Japanese Ring, come out in '98. Um, Ringu, Ringu. Um, which is about how we consume it. Again, kind of meta about you know you're watching a video about Tell someone who dies yeah. from watching a video. Um, I re we had Event Horizon things like that where suddenly it was you know the the hell story and everything like that, but in space. I, I, um, I adore Event Horizon. 
you know I didn't like it the first time I saw it I, I think it was because a so hundred people had said this is your movie you need to watch this and I was watching it like oh, yeah. in a huff in a pout going, that'll do yeah. it yeah, yeah. Um, but I really really speaking of Sam Neill I really love In the Mouth of Madness which mm. is the Lovecraftian um, kind of it's Stephen King Shadow over Innsmouth isn't it Yes, it's the it's the Shadow of Rinsmith kind of story, and it's about Sutter Kane, this guy who writes the the story. But it is the perfect, uh, having grown up reading all the Stephen King books, which is a big thing in the nineties, eighties, and nineties. Uh, it is about an author who writes himself into a horror, and then the horror starts coming true. And I, every time I see a movie now where the main character is a journalist or an author or, or a, a writer, a writer yeah. of some ways, just moved to a new town to get away from it, I was like, Do you know, what? We've, we're done with this movie. Yeah. We've done this movie so many times. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that is a very, very familiar plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think that is kind of my point. My my notable tropeable for for nineties movies can completely off horror is uh, makeovers solve everything. <laughs> Going into the. the um, the romantic comedy and kind of teen comedy genre. Uh, first of all, jocks and cheerleaders, always the bad guys, all through the 90s. Uh, it, it is genuinely weird to think back and think that those were just the two people who were classically the bad guys. If there was a cheerleader on screen, she was going to be a bitch in like 10, 9, 8. So, oh, she's a bitch now. Yeah, that's right. So um, I was just checking. But, oh, okay, it was 2000s. I was just checking um, not another teen movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, again, yeah. that's the that's that the one that of... comes out at the end of all of those and makes yeah. one of yeah, because American Beauty was ninety nine, so two thousand. Do you remember who the, the male lead in that was? Go, go on, it's Chris Evans. There's a point. In not where another teen movie. He's the jock. Yeah. And there's a point where it's a bit where he comes out and offers a banana split, and he's literally naked, and he's covered in whipped cream around oh, his yeah. crotch, and he's just like, <laughs> and he's like, "Can I offer you a banana split?" And she's like, "No," and he's like, and there's like half a banana sticking out, and he's like, "All right," and he turns around, and neither half's coming out his ass. <laughs> I just thought that was stuck in my head, um, and the fact that that was set I... in uh, John Hughes High. John Hughes High. Yeah, I love when is... the second black character shows up to the party. And they're like, oh, they already have a black friend. And he's like, There's damn. He's like, damn. And yeah. I was like, I know, shit. And they both at the same time just go, that is whack. <laughs> yeah, he's like, sorry, this is this is my thing. He's like, oh, I was invited by a friend. I didn't realize. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to trespass. Like, and he's like, yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Um, but, uh, actually, there's yes, the thing because you were saying about the the nineties horror. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I think it's 90s. I just want to double check. Um, Jacob's Ladder. No, but just that's guessing. a fucking masterpiece. It is. Yeah. It, okay, it is. It's 99. What did you think of the remake of House on Haunted Hill? With Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, no, right? Famke Jensen and Jeffrey Rush. So I'd, I've seen the original and I've seen The Haunting of Hill House. I, do you know what? Then it must have been just forgettable. I've definitely seen it. It was the the oh you've talked about this before then I haven't seen it it's the one where they all have guns and they all have a, a the, limited and they're number well, of shots they're welded shut and they have no idea how many bullets are in the magazine is welded um, into the gun yes uh, no I haven't seen it I need to I need that'll oh, be okay. uh, on my list for this Halloween because if you've seen the original I'd be interested to see because that was kind of the original with just yeah. to make sure we're at the same one the original with Vincent Price uh, yes I believe so yes yes yeah okay. And then the the, um, the remake was um, so the, yeah the original was fifty nine with Vincent Price yeah, and then this was oh, wow, okay. this was the remo- remake where Jeffrey Rush is playing Vincent Price's character, um, right. and it's, it's kind of it I always hold it up as the poster boy for practical versus digital effects, mm. 
because 99% of the special effects in it are practical or done with like trick photography. They film people moving backwards and then they play it in reverse so then the movement doesn't look natural and stuff like that. Yeah, they did that all, with the ring as well. Yeah, all that type of stuff. Uh, and then in the last like five minutes, there's a bit of CG and it's shit and you're like, well, why was that there? That just yeah, ruined the film. Like, that's like Blade as well. Just anytime they try to just throw that last bit of CG and you're like, no, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Um, I'll give a shout out to 13 Ghosts as well for completely great, yeah. fantastic. I don't know if yeah. it was the 90s, but they shot everything in a glass house and every single member of production had to wear black head to toe so you wouldn't get little sh- like shines of people walking around reflected in the glass. And I'm like, it's a house full of ghosts. It would have been fine. Yeah. But anyway. that's, that's, a, that's a 2000s horror film, I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what was your what was your kind of topic pick, it, pick of the 90s yeah you know I think um, looking back in the 90s being in the 90s very small kid so I think um, horror wise Hocus Pocus would have probably <laughs> been, been my film of choice which I re- watched really recently as well um, and it held up it really does hold up it is very I good. remember, um, I remember I seeing that in the cinema as well yeah Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I remember seeing Ern- How old are you? You're as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, I went Ernest to see Hocus Pocus stupid. in the cinema and then I had to rush home because they'd made this new thing called The Wheel. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> so it was all the way down the hill home. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I think uh, if I was to talk about films from the 90s and the kind of quintessential film that like left an impression on me, it would have to be like... Um, Cruel Intentions, Jesus Christ. I was going to say Dangerous Liaisons, but uh, Cruel Intentions for sure. It's just kind of, it, it, was, it was like the the aesthetic of the 90s and obviously mm. Sarah Michelle Gellar, which was like mostly 90s for me. I, that, 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 she's a face you, in 90s. Did you have a poster of Sarah Michelle Gellar? Maybe as... I did. <laughs> Maybe I did, Johnny. In her Buffy guys or in her... Don't worry about it. No, dark hair, obviously. Dark hair. You know she was evil when she had dark hair. Yeah, no, but it's like the soundtrack, the fashion... Um, or lack thereof the yep. fact that it was like based on like you know kind of classic fiction they, there was that thing in the 90s for a while where every kind of they started like contemporizing like uh, all yeah, of yeah, the, like, yeah. the Shakespeare stuff we or, were talking um, about this beforehand like oh what was it like 10 things I hate about you that was that, a very that was good example of when they did it nicely that was Taming of the Shrew Taming of the yeah. Shrew Romeo yeah. plus Juliet I think that was based on um, uh, Romeo and Juliet yeah that was was, um, was that a Hamlet. yeah Hamlet, I think that might have been a well, Beckett Hamlet was play. The Lion yeah. King which came out in 94 oh yeah very good yeah and uh, she's, uh, all, she's all that I'm pretty sure also she's all that i don't know what one that you know was. that was like another makeover uh thing tying into what you were saying so um, that's um is that the t- is that you know classically the attractive girl takes off yes. glasses at the end boom yeah game changer yeah very there good was, um, yeah. That's, that's we did we looked this up that's pigmillion is it the uh, bernard, uh, george bernard shaw one i believe it is yes um, well done you. Yeah. yes thank you there's um yeah. there was there was also um oh no it's 2001 they did um were you thinking uh, of a nice tale no, they did a nice uh, tale. They did, yes. they did Othello. They did Othello oh, with Josh Hartnett and Mickey Pfeiffer. I remember that as well. Yeah, that was weird. But uh, yes, but they all were, they were all packaged as either kids or teen movies. Yeah, no, they were, and they were all kind of put in like that high school teen romantic comedy drama type thing. Yeah, and I feel like Cruel Intentions was a little bit outside of that. Like it was a bit of a comedy, but it was mostly kind of darker humor. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, um, it's it's dangerous liaisons, and there was even like like there was the the equivalent of humor in in that yeah. as well. Like it was very much yeah. like you know the the snide eighteenth century remark type yeah. thing more than yeah yeah all that kind of like you know whatever like seduction as a way to exploit your peers you know so very relatable to all of us. <laughs> mm. um, you said yes, you were yes, you were ten. 
when in the <laughs> yeah, maybe thought, maybe thought, yeah. Gossip girling around. I think I was introduced to it like by a cousin who was older and should have known better, but a kind oh, of the cousin uh, Dejeru. <laughs> Le cousin Dejeru. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Carlo's a different place. <laughs> just just uh, leave it alone, hey? Um yes, I I love cruel intentions. Spe- speaking of Freddie Prince Jr. Um <laughs> He I, wasn't in Cruel Intentions. You're thinking of um Oh, your man Ryan Sebastian Felipe. is Ryan Felipe, yeah. Married to uh I think, Reese Witherspoon yeah, for but have a few we ever, years. But have we some ever beautiful seen kids, and then but Sarah, Ma- Sarah Michelle Gellar is married to Freddie Prince Jr. That's right. Yeah. Have I ever seen Ryan Philippe and Freddie Prince Jr. in the same place at the same time? You should be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, as a present to Sinead uh, last year, I gave her the the crucifix from yeah 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 uh, from for the final scene um, in, in the church a, of the funeral with a few with a few bones of cocaine in it yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I got oh little, no, like I mean, he, he didn't go that far. I, I got a little box of snuff, but I figured she had her own cocaine. She could probably, yeah, <laughs> better better cocaine than anything you could source. I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, that was quite a good present. Uh, kudos to you, and that's the last kudos you will get today. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, I think uh, the the teen movies. The when was Ten Things I Hated About You? Was that ninety nine? That's ninety something. It was definitely okay. in the nineties. That was late nineties. An astoundingly good movie. It was very good. I not even pretend that like I didn't super enjoy that mm. <laughs> with Heath Ledger and the the famous uh, serenading somebody scene. And I feel like that's been ripped off a whole bunch of times. I'm sure I've seen it in uh, like um, I saw it in Scream. One of the screams. Uh, one of the guys gets up and sings to his girlfriend. In the middle of a cafeteria, I'm sure it was in American Pie. I think it just started. It's in the the first or second scream. I think it's the second one because they're in college when they're in the second one. Jerry O'Connell or someone like that gets up and sings to his girlfriend. Yeah, who's he sings to Sydney? Yes, that's it. Um, it's the second one. Yeah, because it's they're still they're in college and it's yeah. Yeah. It's amazing it's amazing when they come up with a scene like that that's so brilliant and influential that other people will just be like, let's just do a ten things scene where you just sing to her in the middle of a place. Yeah. And it's not like a cool musical, it's super embarrassing for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I did that the first time I was in college. I got up on top of it. Uh, I stood up on my chair in the DCU cafeteria at lunchtime and uh, pretended to start crying because my friend Daniel, <laughs> my friend Daniel refused to say yes when I asked him to marry me. Oh, beautiful. and his, his girlfriend just sat there cheering, and I was, and but, but like Good. he was the he's one of my easiest friends in the world to embarrass, and like oh, this guy's this guy's like okay, so this guy's your height, Johnny, but like yep. this guy's been a lifeguard of most of his life. He's built like a brick shit house, and you can just right. make him embarrassed in a, in a in drop of a hat. Oh, that is comedy gold. Yeah, uh, the gr- the greatest one I've ever seen of that is uh, when I was in Ballyfermot. They brought in uh, a little. Um, carnival style thing one day it was, I guess they were raising money for some charity but they had a mechanical bull right. and out of nowhere Clive who was on uh, an episode way back when uh, went up <laughs> whispered something to the, the guy operating it uh, went off and did something and then came back and got in the bull and the next thing NSYNC started blaring out the speakers <laughs> and he oh just started God. riding the bull and he held up a poster that he'd gone off and made that just said NSYNC rock and your man turned the bullet full and Clive rode it for like 10 minutes without ever falling off and just bucking furiously and we were all just in there mid-clap going what the fuck are we looking at? Oh my god. You know, like, I like Clive a bit better yeah, now. Yeah, we're like, how are you good at this? <laughs> Who, where do you practice? When did you, when did you acquire this It skill? was astounding. Like, we were watching it up going, oh, we're embarrassed for him and we were like sitting back on. now I'm embarrassed for me. I feel like I should be better at this. Yeah, that's the whole point. It's like, I, any embarrassing situation 
it'll be embarrassing for the person doing it for the first few seconds, but then it gets yep. embarrassing for everyone else and it stops yes. being embarrassing for yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, so that's movies. I feel like I should take my glasses off and let my hair down to end that segment, but I'll... Yeah. <laughs> oh, no way, man. She'll never be good looking. <laughs> She's got a ponytail and glasses. Those paint-colored overalls. They'll never come off. That, that is butterfly the... clips now and a few scrunchies and you'll you, be on your way. You are 100% reciting fucking not another team movie now. This is... <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I love when he's like... Uh, you can pick anyone to make her the prom queen and it's like there's an obese girl he's like not her no no I've got a worse one and then there's like an albino girl who looks sick under a tree playing like a, a guitar yeah. singing hippie songs he's like not her obviously and then there's this the conjoined girl. twins <laughs> yes and then, and then, and then it's like, Ooh, okay. not a ponytail <laughs> oh. um, uh, so video games uh, video games uh, the 90s I think was the N64 versus PlayStation 1 kind of era. For the second half, the first half was the SNES and Mega Drive. Yeah, the, the Sega Mega Drive. Yeah. The, yeah, that... Because um, uh, PlayStation is 94 or 95, I can't remember exactly when. So it's like the, yeah, the, the mid-ha- midpoint on the, the decade. I, uh, I had a Master System, and it had Alex Kidd built in. Alex Kidd and Miracle World. That's, that uh, was, that so. was the downfall of that console. You didn't need any other games. Yeah, well, <laughs> this kid was Whopper. Like, it was like, all right, well, the, why would I buy cartridges for this? But the thing is, it came with another game. It came with Sonic. And after a while, we turned it on without the, the cartridge, and we didn't know. And this game came on, and I was like, it's fucking haunted. This is amazing. <laughs> but there's a bit where you get to Alice Kid, and I'm sure if I went back now and looked at it, it'd be obvious. But there's a bit where you play rock, paper, scissors against an enemy, hmm. and me and my brother couldn't figure it out. We didn't know whether it was completely random, we didn't know if there was a pattern, we didn't know if there was a timing thing. But yeah. we just had to keep all our lives until we got to that bit and then hope through the laws of averages we just beat him in, in Rock, Paper, Scissors and most of the time we didn't and we would play it for hours to get to that bit every time. That's weird. Yeah. Should have got it. Uh, <laughs> it was a really good game but uh, yeah, except for that bit. Um, I think my quintessential 90s game it's just Mario Kart. I think it is the game series that me and my brother have put the most time into. We started on the SNES, kept going with the N64, sure. kept going with the, the GameCube. Um, it is the game that we would just have on. If there was just one or two of us there, we'd play it. Or if there was ten people in the house, we'd be playing Mario Kart. Um, it was an astoundingly fun game. Uh, and I, I see people playing it now and I, I do that old person thing of, that's not Mario Kart <laughs> I, see, I see people launching things and umbrellas and turning into different characters and all this kind of stuff going on and I'm like no 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 what you have to do you have to pick up coins and do this this and this you can drift now and I was like no 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 wait maybe you could drift before <laughs> but uh, yeah it is it is now bequeathed to the younger generation and I'm slightly bitter about it Oh, I get it yeah I get that. I even like that about Pokemon now. When I see the kids with all the <laughs> fourth or fifth generation Pokemon, and you're just there remembering, you know, do you remember the Game Boy Color? Yeah, like red and blue. Yeah. Um, they, they came out probably in the nineties. Ninety four, I think. And ninety four? Are you fucking kidding? Ninety six, maybe. That's oh, so. Oh god, hang on, I'll check. It might be ninety six. Like, Pokemon's going. Oh um, man, that is a wild, that's incredible. The least. That long. Yeah. Yeah. It was that the guy who. Uh, created Pokemon was a bug 96 like, 96 that makes sense yeah. and he, he also made video games obviously but he, he just loved collecting insects 
mm. uh, and he he made this game and I, I love that nobody stopped him at any point he's like you collect these animals and then they fight and this is fine <laughs> everyone's like yeah right dog fighting sure. rings unsupervised children running dog fighting rings that's fine but he made it, it out. one of my favourite stories he was saying that he put it out in the uh, red and blue on the Game Boy and some random dude just sent him 50 quid or the equivalent and was just like here you go I don't think I paid enough for this and he's like that is the what? greatest compliment I ever got someone bought a ga- Game Boy bought the game Hmm. And then sent me more money, going. I just feel like I haven't paid you enough for this. Did you guys play Pokemon Red or Blue? If you, if so, were yes. you Red or Blue? Uh, uh, blue. On red. And what was what was your starter choice? Um, uh, Squirtle. Yeah, same. I had a Charmander called Zippo. Uh, nothing, nothing so intelligent, though. Like, I mean, every time, see, I go through this phase of like wanting to play all the Pokemon games as they come out. Yeah. And yeah. then not wanting to play any other games on the DS. So sure. I'll buy a DS, clear the new Pokemon game, and then just sell it off. And I seem yeah. to do this every couple of years. And I'm like, I'm like so yeah. my, fa- my little nephew now is super into Pokemon. He's collecting all the cards. And my favorite thing to say to him is just insist that there's 150. Just be like, did you catch all 150? He goes, Johnny, there's over 700. I was like, no, no, you're right. I'm, I'm wrong. It's 151 with Mew, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, Johnny, there's over 700. I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, Shut oh. up, you stupid old yeah. man. And he's like, what about this? And, he, and I was like, that's a picture of a candelabra. That's not a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> that's from Beauty and the Beast, friend. Okay. Yes. You've, you've made a terrible mistake, child. Clearly, you've got some counterfeit cards here. Yeah. The, I, I just, it was one of the most uh, X and Y generation. I have yep. to pick the Earth oh, yeah. starter because one of the first abilities it learns is roll out, so I had to call it Autobots. <laughs> and then Autobots was, use roll out. That's like, great. That's not the optimal move. I don't care. I will fucking <laughs> use this all the way through. It's the not end. the optimal move. It's the Optimus Prime. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Uh, speak, uh, I went to the Game On thing that was going on in Dublin uh, ages ago. It was um, where you go and they see all the old games. Mm. And like they had the um, the sim stuff there, but all the old concept art and all the stuff that like the the diaries from the guys who were making it, uh, saying what they thought they were making, and mm. it's so interesting to look back. They had all the um, Dance Dance Revolution games over the, the years, but they had Goldeneye on, up on the big screen. Goldeneye. Goldeneye's a fantastic game, and me and Clive again started trying to play it. <laughs> we were just staring at our hands. And the, the game, or the uh, N64 controller, trying to figure out where to put our hands on this manta ray. Middle going, and somebody right. Must, yeah, somebody must have fucked up the controls, obviously. That's what's happened. And we were there <laughs> trying to fix the controls, going, oh my god, it's been so long since we played, we don't know how to play Goldeneye anymore. Yeah. We're so, we've got... Go on. Goldeneye was, was my group's Mario Kart. Was it? Yeah. In that we used to, like, the, the, there was four of us that used to play all, all the time in my mate's house. But mm. for about seven months, we essentially gaslighted one of them. Because <laughs> um, what you Amazing. do is when you were turning on the N64, you would just oh, yes. very slightly press forward mm. on his joystick. And then it treats that as zero. So he can never press as far forward as everyone else. So he can never run as fast as anyone else in the game. Yeah. And it took him about seven months to realize we were doing this stuff. <laughs> he just thought you started because we'd have games where we like we kind of all. Without agreeing or without saying it, we'd all just agree that if we saw him coming, we'd just turn around and run away and he couldn't catch us. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was just, just driving him mental. Like, so it was, um, but, you know, like teenage boys, we're going to torture each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of what we do, like. keep, keep it, keep, you know, you just have to make sure that no one ever gets confident enough to, uh, you know, achieve <laughs> to leave anything the on their own. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Keep it, keep it that level. I agree. We used to play uh, Goldeneye, me and Rory, where we would play um, Proximity Mines. 
and we would play it where one person uh, would put the controller down the other person would do a speed run through a level and put mines everywhere mm. and then stop and then the other person would put their controller down the first person would pick it up and try and follow them and like all they would have is like a, a, a like a silence gun to shoot stuff but you had to basically try and remember where you put mines so you don't get blown up along the way yeah and if you got as far as the other person tagged them then they you'd run backward and do like a mine run uh, and just do that over and back and it was the funniest thing because you we got perfect spacing them that if he did blow one up it wouldn't set off a cascade and blow all of them up yeah so just one would go off and like Tur- running through a door turning and firing at the back of a door and then running through and then watching Rory going god damn it and then like going up to that door and having to shoot through the door 50 times to try and find this mine it was great fun <clears throat> yeah no it was a great game uh, it was probably the first time I ever came across like a first person shooter game hmm. I'll be honest I watched a lot more Goldeneye being played than I did playing of yeah. Goldeneye in a kind of like Sinead you can play now while I go to the bathroom but God damn if you save any progress you're throwing. <laughs> um, once again, cousins, cousins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh yeah, great game. Did you uh, did definitely you, definitely a classic. Did you play the Street Fighters and the Mortal Kombat? I did, I did. I played a lot of the Mortal Kombat and the Street Fighters and the early Tekkens as well. Were you the one that's that not straight would, out of our time? Back. Yeah. Were you the one who would come over and the guys who were really good at it would be playing something? And I'd button bash? You'd button bash and just you beat, know it. beating them for a few, a few rounds. That's, yeah. I, but like I never was that more kid than as twice well. in a row because like they'd get really pissed off yeah. and then like, you know, like, oh, you've got to go do something else now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. I was that kid as well. Were you? Yeah, I would just button bash my way through everything. They were try- Someone was trying desperately to set up a fatality uh, and I would just always just punch the guy at the very end. <laughs> like, no, you've got to do something. I was like, no, I don't. I don't have to learn any of your I, see, I, I, I was the guy who didn't have the consoles. So I didn't, right. I, I didn't have a Mega Drive for ages. And um, I, I basically went from like a C64 very briefly to a Mega Drive to a PC. I skipped a lot yep. of stuff. And like yeah. my friends had them and I just was like, mm. but I was the guy who'd like, I, I'd be in the shops and I'd see like a magazine with a poster in it and I'd buy it and the poster had like all the moves from Mortal Kombat 2 and I'd sit there and learn them and then I'd go to my friend's house and they're like oh you don't Mortal Kombat 2 and I'm like oh awesome I haven't tried it yet and I fucking destroyed him on it <laughs> they're just like I love, oh my god how I'm just imagining you, I'm imagining you in the lotus position just sitting cross like a two candles burning and just staring at a poster they're, all the moves are coming towards you in space and you're like oh yes yes I will guitar hero style yeah Mm. Um, my my game that I could beat anyone at was Bomberman and at that game on thing they were projecting it onto the side of a building they had like this Bomberman going and I was like oh I'm going to hustle some people so I was like alright you guys line up and just start playing winner stays on and I stayed on for like 12 rounds of just completely destroying people and anytime anyone got killed they'd just swap in someone else and I was like this is getting embarrassing guys um, that was super fun alright a bit of a bully, aren't you? In in some ways, yes. In in the nineties, I would be the jock guy wearing the. <laughs> You're dead, McFly. <laughs> dead McFly. I'd have the the maroon jacket with the white arms and a letter J on it. I've, I don't go to a school with a yeah, J just, in the name, but I've gotten one made. Just just <laughs> running around Sligo with people looking at him going, Jesus, fucking notions. <laughs> <laughs> notions. I go to America High. <laughs> America High. Oh my god. Um. Some other just quick shout-outs. Uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time came out in the 90s. Basically defined adventure games forevermore. Yes. Um, Duke Nukem 3D, I absolutely love. That was the first, like, uh, dirty game I played. <laughs> I know there was, like, Leisure Suit Larry and stuff in the 80s. But was it the 80s? Um, but Duke Nukem was the one where, like, you there would be naked ladies. And, like, looking back on it, they were 12 pixels tall. Yes. <laughs> but... 
Uh, <laughs> they had pixels in all the right places. <laughs> and yeah, and it, it was just you go up and you'd hand money and it's like, shake it, baby. And then shake like, it, baby. <laughs> Every single line he used was stolen side. from an 80s. Yeah. It, side, two sides. They would just have two frames of animation and they would move between them. It's like them. a snake, the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 2, which is getting a remake, which looks really good, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, and Monkey Island, which came out in the 90s and was. The first big, co- like, proper comedy game I played. I know there was Grim Fandango and stuff after that, but I played Monkey Island. I absolutely loved it. Um, I think Day of the Tentacles is my favourite of those ones, the LucasArts ones. Yeah. But also, yeah. Um, the best Indiana Jones story ever is only a LucasArts game. It was never a film. The so Atlantis? Got, yeah, Fate of Atlantis. Yeah. Which is on Steam. I've had it and I played through it there like a year ago, and it's still really good. It still holds up. Hmm. Wow. I- Speaking of underwater games, hey. Go on. Oh, yeah, okay. Atlantis, mm-hmm. see. Um, I don't, I don't know if anyone else remembers this game, okay? But it was called Echo, the Tide of Time. It was, it was on Echo, Sega Mega Drive. Yeah, yeah, you were dolphin. a dolphin. <laughs> yeah. Your enemies were sharks. I think you collected rings, but that doesn't make sense. Shells, I think it was. Shells, pro- yeah, that sounds like, like, like you swam through rings. It was like my favorite game ever. Yeah, I used Echo to play the- on, on the Sega Mega Drive. It was just, it was just great. It really appealed to my kind of like nature-loving <laughs> hippie kid shit as well yeah that was a survival um, horror for brilliant. me yeah oh, oh. <laughs> you're right yeah that's right <laughs> i actually I, I looked it up today and i found out that it's still you can still play it on steam so mm. it, i might go have a look at it can you tell me the plot because there is a plot oh, there's a dolphin he's obviously the good guy there's i genuinely seem I, to I remember it going towards aliens and stuff yeah it's the, yeah, basically tell, tell the, the majority of the wildlife is sucked out of the air of the ocean and you're trying to find that's right <gasps> That opening God, sequence. There's a, there's a time when you're out of the uh, water and you're in the air. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can I, swim up high enough and, and like jump out of the water and all the rest. And yeah, there were secret areas that you had to like jump over a rock to get yeah. to. Like, and, yeah. Oh, that was the best. And the music in it was so funny as well because it all sounded like dolphin noises, like <laughs> in the background. That's where, we'll, that's where we'll edit in a dolphin noise. Yeah, these cute noise. Yeah, no, that, that was great. I just had to make sure that like it definitely existed. Uh, yes. Yeah. No. 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 There was. It was so on a. There was a version of it that came in a cartridge that also had. One of the, uh, the one of the predecessors for Bejeweled. Um, can't remember the name of it. And then there was there was it was one of these like three in one cartridge things. But I remember there was one that had Echo mm. on it. Okay. Yeah. No. It was a, left an impression. Oddly enough. And then the only other game that like I can remember from the nineties at all is Crash Bandicoot, and that yeah. was that was a lot of my time. I love yeah. that game. We it did. was just so fun. They, yeah, the amount of weird shit that they did in that, like jumping up and down on polar bears to get extra lives. Yeah. That is, again, we've said this before in the podcast, but there was stuff in games where you could, there was no internet, you couldn't look it up. You would do something, then someone would go into school the next day and go, there's a secret mask over here. And then everyone would rush home to try and find the thing. And the idea of like, on the on the uh, like the Tuesday going, there's a polar bear and if you jump at him, you get extra lives. You're like, what the fuck? You race home and try it. Yeah, that was the first game that I ever played too much of all at once. Um, in that way that like you, you play it all all through the evening, then you go to sleep and you start playing it again when you wake up in the morning, and then like by mid afternoon everything looks like a box with an X on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. you're very confused, yep. and you yeah. need, you just need to walk it off. It's um, it's play play Minecraft for sixteen hours straight and go to sleep, and everything is in the square. Everything's a cube. <laughs> everything's a cube. It is the most disorienting but, thing ever. 
yeah no yeah. um I still get it with Photoshop sometimes where I look at something and it gets the little marquee tool marching ants around it and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I remember one of the first times I met you, we were walking somewhere and it was a really nice day and like the sky was totally blue and you said, yes, yes, it's it's like a loading sky. Loading screen blue. Yeah, lo- 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 yeah it's the weirdest thing you ever said. You, you at, st- that point, you at that said point, you said a lot. I was about to say. You, <laughs> as, we, as we were walking along, you stopped at that point and let me walk on a few steps, and you were really considering just letting me walk away. I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Um, My own games, again, it was just there was a few that, like, there's not one specific one, but there's a very, there's few that I feel kind of captured the 90s um, for me like for, in terms of gaming which was mm. the, the series of platformers that came out between 92 and 94 right. so you had uh, Zool um, not the one from Ghostbusters um, yeah, yeah it was Zool on the PC and right. it was a platformer and I remember like one, it was basically you were this ninja from the nth dimension that was sent to earth and all this thing yeah like but, that Strider Shinobi all those kind of guys it was more like because these were the more cartoony ones so Zool like, oh, was it Earthworm Jim style yeah because one of the one of the planets uh, one of the there were seven worlds in Zool and one of them was like everything was made of candy and cakes ah, right, right. and jelly and stuff like this and then the following year you had Earthworm Jim and Earthworm mm. Jim all the levels the level design the reason they're so fucked up is partially because of Doug Tenaple who's just a lunatic the guy who yep. created Earthworm Jim but also because Gremlin, uh, sorry, not Gremlin, um, Shiny, the guys who had done it. Gremlin were the guys who did Zool, and one of their first games was the original Gauntlet. Um, right. But Shiny, who did Earthworm Jim, they had done like Cool Spot, the Seven Up game, oh, and all this type yeah. of thing. So they were sick of working within like established IPs, and they just went to go yeah. fucking mental. They were like, just if you can come up with it and looks cool, we're going to put it in. Yeah. Which is why you have like, and the fact that like all, they were taking the piss out of all the you know games having the throwaway female lead, which is why it's Princess, yes. Princess what's her name. And That's, this was around that this is the notable trope is things getting radical and just yeah. getting fucking off the wall. Because I remember the backgrounds of worms as well being fucking insane once you get into mm. the, the the proper levels. Go yeah, on, that, that was, was really mental. That was Team Seventeen for the yeah um, the worms game. They're still going, but the the like. Then you had like Earthworm Jim, and Earthworm Jim kind of, they were like they they didn't want to stick to any one, um like oh we can't do this, which is why there was the weird like levels where you're flying through the tunnel and shooting. Yeah. There's the bungee levels with snot. There's the yes, the fact that you launch the cow on level one and it crushes you in the in the credits, <laughs> all this type of thing. Yeah. And then, um, and, and and then there was two other ones. Then uh, Disney did two. Um, so in 93 oh. you had the Aladdin one which was yes. done by Capcom and it was on the SNES and it was an astounding game like it still holds up I've, I've gone that, back and played that on emulator and it is still a fantastic platformer now, I was just going to say anytime I get an emulator that and Bomberman are the two I always play the Aladdin one is fantastic Yeah, maybe it's just because it's near the top <laughs> <laughs> alphabetically yeah uh, yes. Artworks Adventure <laughs> Adam's nah, family and I'm like, I'll play these two <laughs> Um, and then the following year there was the Lion King one in 94 and oh. there was um, that was Westwood there was Studios. a Mickey Mouse one with the magic paintbrush as well which was fantastic Epic Mickey Epic Mickey hey. um, <laughs> that's, no, that's a bit more recent um, but the, the, the Lion King one was like it wasn't it was harder than the Aladdin one yeah yeah I remember that and I remember it being more difficult but like all these 
like brilliant platformers came out in the space of three or four years and then there was like a couple of others around it there was one like Bubsy uh, or Busby or whatever it was, Bubs, it was like, Bubsy Bubsy the it? cat and you're collecting yeah. balls of yarn and stuff but there was like there was a it was just this weird thing of like it, it, it's kind of it, it's interesting that like nowadays you know one company does a game and then loads of other companies try and imitate it whereas yeah. back then like in the 90s and, and uh, in the 80s there was several instances of multiple companies working on stuff simultaneously unaware that other people were doing stuff that would overlap mm. so like Earthworm Jim and Disney's Aladdin came out I think two months apart mm. um, and Zool was maybe like four months before them or five months yeah, before yeah. them and then like the other ones um, they're not they're not uh, platformers but like the Fire Emblem games for Nintendo they're tactics RPG games that have been going for years and yeah. the Sega equivalent was Shining Force Lelis we had last episode it was, that's his favourite game of all time it's one of my favourite yeah, games yeah, of all yeah. time but those two were developed at the exact same time that's crazy and they were released like it's, a couple of months apart and it, it's it, yeah. it's like the whole Deep Impact fucking Armageddon thing and all that but it's <laughs> happened a lot in gaming oh, yeah. in the 80s and 90s where as the new technology became available, people were like, "Oh, let's!" Everyone was like, "What if we could do this?" And yeah. everybody just like you know ran the same direction with stuff like. It's well, really it, interesting. It's we're seeing it now with VR. That VR is currently like the technology they're just leaning into it, and it's kind of disorientating to use. So they're making horror games. Like yeah. they're not making, "Hey, isn't it fun to fly an airplane?" And I was like, "Why wouldn't like that?" Seems like the most obvious thing. You make an airplane. Yeah. Uh, make a racing game. It's like everything I'm seeing coming out are horror games because like no, it feels kind of shitty to use. It makes you feel a little bit sick. So let's just we'll lean into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. just make something where you're terrified. Play and to your strength. Yeah, and I, I honestly I'm not sure what I think Zool was probably the inciting one, but like for yeah. a lot of the platformers, I can't think. Probably Commander Keen were the earlier ones from id Software, but mm. there was that just you know five four or five years at the start of the nineties where we got this amazing array of all like really really enjoyable platformers that just landed at once and then they just disappeared for a while because 3d yeah. came along and yes people were like they didn't they were still trying to figure out how to do it in 3d so the the only real attempts for 3d um for platformers on like that were successful um when the playstation came around was there was a game called pandemonium okay and oh. there was like two people in it there was two characters and the, um, but it was almost like 2.5D you were still running in a straight line but the level would bulge out towards the camera and back in and your uh -oh. character would just keep running in a straight line like mm. would follow it um, and then the other one is Spyro Spyro was the first proper 3D platformer Spyro oh, the Dragon yeah. of course yeah yeah but they Spyro were 3D. but they actually the flying thing in part was because they, they weren't sure exactly if they could get like jumping mechanics and all that type of thing working correctly because so they were like yeah and like people m would find it disorientating trying to jump in a 3d environment now tomb raider as well followed on which is actually yeah. a sega yeah. saturn game first but again a lot of that was like the platforming hey. and the jumping like how many times did you get lost playing tomb raider like looking yeah. around and going i have no the idea where i'm meant to go here like, the the image of her pressed against a wall with her hands against it and like moving along it a little bit because i've I'm trying to get it to turn and fucking do something. Yeah. It's like, Ugh, and would it just press against it for a second? I'm like, don't just come on. And it, like, that's the thing. Tomb Raider games were like the first two, particularly, they were great games, but they were fidgety as fuck when you started playing them. Whereas the Spyro yeah. games, you never had that issue. The Spyro games, when you started playing them, because it was so forgiving with the controls and because you could glide and fly, it was like, oh yeah, this just feels oh. more natural. Well, and the that, first time I saw someone playing Mario 64, I didn't know how he was doing it. Like, he was running, yeah. running, running, and then. Doing a, not even doing a 180 like immediately jumping backwards and doing all this stuff and it was so forgiving 
it was just whichever way you were pointing that I was just watching him going, I don't think I can do that. Like, I, when you hand me the controller in a minute, I'm going to die. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just mad. But it was, it was great to see how, like, it was weird that it, it kind of, this, it's starting to come back as well because a lot of indies are doing it. It's kind of too much. Like, the least performing, if you look at genres on Steam and the lowest earning indie genres, the lowest yep. earning indie games are either pixel art or um, so art style is pixel art and genre type is 2D platformer if you make yeah. if you want to make as little money as possible on Steam make a pixel art 2D platformer and if it's amazing it will make all the money in the world and otherwise it doesn't there's a new one that's yeah. come out recently called uh, Dead Cells which is absolutely unreal because it does look amazing one. Uh, but, yeah but that doesn't that's not a pixel art one that is somebody who is making a fantastically beautiful game and yes. pixel art is what they're do- doing like that's a gorgeous game yeah I've been playing a ton of it and I'll probably start streaming it because there's a way you can set up there's a specific streamer version where the audience can interfere mm. with what's happening I, oh, cool. oh really that sounds amazing Yeah. I was so. so annoyed that Risk of Rain was so difficult because I thought it looked really good and I wanted to play it but I kept dying I was like just show me all the nice things so fucking stop <laughs> yeah. it, would, it was more guys would spawn and it would be me running around a level while an entire train this fucking retinue of bad guys would chase me around the level and I was like just let me see everything <laughs> But um, but yeah, it's mad. Like it's like the all the two D spawned really quickly, and then the next generation kind of killed it off in a way for a yeah. long time. So it was weird. It was one of those genres that like the slump came a decade and a half after everyone stopped doing it. Yeah. So we yeah. we there's a very nineties gritty style, and it's in movies. It's things like Seven and even The Matrix and stuff, where the colors bleached out and it's silvers and greens and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember Quake being the game for me that had like just that style uh, I know that Doom came out before but Doom is actually quite colourful and Quake yes. is like you're in a brown industrial castle surrounded by brown green yeah. enemies yeah all br- like Quake um, is Quake uh, uh, sorry Doom is very like oranges and reds and it's yeah. bright and it's very vibrant like yeah yeah um, like the floor is royal blue the monsters are pink if you look at yeah. Doom um I, I still remember all the sounds from. I had the I had all the add-ons for Quake, including all the ones where was it Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor who did sounds for yeah, the yeah. music for some of them. Yeah, no, no, uh, it was Trent Reznor. Like, there, there's actually one of the weapons in the game was the nail gun, and the boxes had the Nine Inch Nails logo on them. Oh, that's right. The boxes of ammo. Like. That's so good. Um, I just like to this day still remember some of the sound effects from it, and they sounded so like clipped and horrible. Which is why I think the head thing had to be a cyber demon rather than a, like a normal demon because instead of it being like Rawr, it was like Rawr, and it and worked it always sounded clipped and like yeah. destroyed yeah. and distorted. Um, that was good stuff. Uh, I think Doom and Quake are the ones that we used to go to each other's house to watch each other play because I'm pretty sure we were scared but never admitted it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wolfenstein was the Return to Castle Wolfenstein. That was like. It was weird. My group of friends kind of skipped Doom and Quake. We were aware of it, and we yeah. kind of we got back into it when Quake Three came around. But we were yeah. all playing like Return to Castle Wolfenstein. I think that's why I don't care about World War Two games anymore because I'm just sick of killing Nazis. Yeah, I've done it to death. I've just put in those. I've killed so many Nazis, guys. I've, you, you know, mm. you kill one Robo Hitler <laughs> with mini guns for arms. I mean, like it's only yeah. so many times you can do it. So <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, cool. So TV. TV. Uh, yes, my. I don't quite have a notable tropable, but uh, there's a really, really That's weird not like you. thing. I know it's it, it's. There's a thing I've noticed that. Uh, 
during the eighties, obviously there was the Saturday morning cartoons. They had all their mm-hmm. GI Joes and sure, yeah, the things you got up for. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. But it Dino was all based Riders. on action movies. They were, they, but they had a Rambo one. They had a RoboCop one. They had like Terminator Two toys and stuff like this. They were going through this weird period where, like in the seventies, Star Wars had come out and been this merchandising machine. Hmm. And then all through the eighties, no matter how R-rated or horrible a movie was. They made a kids' version. They made like an uh, this kind of thing. Yeah. And it sort of petered off in the the nineties. We we had the Beetlejuice cartoon and we had the Mask cartoon. And we had oh, the Adams yeah. Family, um, but they weren't. Those were kind of PG mm. movies. Uh, Beetlejuice was PG despite him saying fuck halfway through. It was, but it was kind of like PG by way of yeah the miracle. They I t- don't know. They took a PG thirteen and then just PG'd it further. Yeah, they just they yeah it was it was it was very much. On the border, I yeah. Think. Well, there's no there's no gore and any violence in it. You don't yeah. see the person hitting someone. It's usually invisible. Yeah, yeah. True. So there was um, like yeah, the, and yeah, and I, I, like things became silly. They they had all the the radical things of Ninja Turtles going into street sharks, going into biker mice from Mars. So everything everything was a radical version where they took a, you know. Animal plus profession plus. <laughs> well, the the, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a weird aberration in that the cartoon was the PG version. Yes. Yeah. Because the original twenty issue comic run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was incredibly violent. <laughs> it the was foot, the of foot the soldiers. The foot soldiers yeah. were not robots. The foot soldiers were human robots. beings, and they would just go through them with their swords and didn't give a shit. Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, there was a lot where, of like decapitation and everything. Whereas the 80s was them taking established violent things and making them very palatable for kids and just packaging them that way. There was this weird thing in the 90s where they would take new IPs but put weird sexual stuff in them that like were kind of risque. So the Animaniacs uh, did oh, this yeah. all the time with the Hello Nurse stuff. And one yeah. of my favorite jokes of theirs is where... Uh, Yakko puts on his Sherlock Holmes hat I know and goes alright everybody look yeah, for Prince and then Dot walks up holding the artist formerly known as Prince she goes I found Prince and Yakko goes no no fingerprints and then Dot and Prince just look at each other and Prince smiles and she goes yeah I don't think so and throws him out yeah. the window and I'm just like how did you get away with that joke Spielberg. and they would they would do it all the time, and like one of Yako's catchphrases was like him to blow a kiss to the audience, and say, "Oh, good night, folks!" After someone said something really fucking risque. Yeah, no, it was um, the, it was the it, 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 somebody would say something, and then um, Yako would just look like look at them for a second and go, "Well, good night, ladies and gentlemen." And it was it, just like the deadpan, just kind of. I'm not going to address <laughs> yeah. that, like. But they had they had Minerva Mink doing a striptease as well. Uh, yeah. But at one point they put a, a screen down over it, and one of the characters like chastises you for watching it. But she's still getting undressed behind the the screen, and you can see it. Um, they had Rocco's Modern Life, uh, which he was... worked in a sex call center. He worked in a fucking sex call center. It was always him taking calls, and you never quite heard the content. Mm-hmm. But on this uh, wall behind him was you know be polite but be naughty yeah. written on the wall. Uh, and there's an episode where he gets hired as a handyman to uh, do some work for his Mr. Big Head, the, the frog who lives next door. But it's his wife who hires him. And the whole episode is her trying to get him to do things, but clearly um, trying to sleep with him. And one of the things she does is uh, ask him to watch a TV show with her. But it's about the mating habits of like the rainforest frog, which to her would be a porno, I guess. Yeah. So it's basically she asks him to watch a porno. She hands him a drink at one point and he looks in. And there's a bunch of flies in there as if it's a jacuzzi shaking maracas. 
So she's just giving him Spanish fly. And then the last thing that happens is he gets launched, knocked around the room in a big Rube Goldberg machine, gets knocked into the um, the ceiling fan. It buzzes him. He lands completely naked and lands on top of the bed with her. And she just goes, you shaved just for me? <laughs> I'm like, that was in a kid's show. Yeah, but there's yeah. also, there's also a, there was a clip in the, the Rugrats at one point where the grandpa comes in first oh, yeah. morning and they're like where were you and he's like oh, I was out with my friends playing Russian roulette and you're like what the fuck like, and then it, no but then the mother goes and did you win and he stares at her and goes you don't know what Russian roulette is do yeah, you yeah exactly <laughs> uh, last one on this on this kind of weird front of clearly no one was paying attention there were no sense like not even Ren and Stimpy and all that bullshit cow and well, chicken well no 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 Ren and Stimpy there was two seasons there was two separate series produced one of them was produced for MTV where, before right. they because um, okay. MTV's original animation studio was called Nickelodeon Studios before Nickelodeon got their mm. own TV series uh, TV channel and the one that was show, uh, produced for that was shown at midnight and was all over the fucking place right, and then right. there was one produced but the thing was is that when people picked up the licensing for it later to distribution they didn't know so they'd just buy all four seasons and just show them oh that's amazing I didn't know that, didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, the, la- the last one and the one that probably affected me the most because I saw the- all these other ones are like the band episodes that you can go and watch clips of on YouTube and stuff but the one I remember seeing in real time was Cow and Chicken and it was an episode called Buffalo Gals <laughs> and it was about cow uh, was in town and a gang of motorcycling women came to town who would break into people's homes and eat their carpets wow. and they all had short hair and they all wore Doc Martin boots <laughs> And there's this whole bit. Carpet and eaters, huh? Car- yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were carpet eaters. Their, their leader was called Munch Kelly. And uh, <sighs> she, they kidnap Cow, bring her off to play softball, and keep quizzing her whether she's into pitching or catching and all this kind of stuff. And eventually, that she does the super cow thing and rescues herself. But this, it, I remember seeing it, and as a kid, gone. This is something. <laughs> I know. I know that there's something more here. This nobody. There's something going I on. Feel. I don't know. About. Yeah. yeah. The writers are clearly making fun of my parents for yeah. not watching me in some way. <laughs> oh, that was the, the other thing with Cow and Chicken was they, they advertise as the only TV show where the parents are topless. And then at one scene it pans out and the parents don't have anything above their legs. There's just empty space. They're cut off at the waist. Oh, so they're yeah. topless. Oh, that's uh, so stupid. It was a really, really weird show. Powerpuff Girls snuck in a couple as well. But the, it was a weird time when no one was paying attention. Yeah, it was very yeah. much get dirty jokes into kids cartoons time. Yeah. So that was me. That was, that was the rant. And honestly, the reason I wanted to do this whole episode. <laughs> and scene. Fantastic. Uh, Sinead, what was your your choice for... TV in, in, in the 90s. It's got to be, once again, the weird horror stuff. The X-Files, for yeah. sure. Yes. Um, that, was, that was very, that very... Very topical for the, the month that's in it on the run-up to Halloween. I suppose it is quite topical for the month that was in it. Mm. Um, yeah, no. just I, I remember being scared shitless. <laughs> Of the X-Files. All the way up along from the first time I saw it. But still watching it because, you know... I had to impress my cousins. Everything was back <laughs> to the cousins, you know. There was, there was something about watching that as a kid and, like, knowing that you were scared but putting yourself through it. Yeah, yeah. It was almost kind of like an endurance test. Which kind of has lasted with me in my love of horror. Mm-hmm. Like, to this day, I still will watch things that I think I will be a little bit, you know, disconcerted by. Mm-hmm. Up to downright terrified. Was there an episode that sticks out to you as, like, that is the creepiest episode of the X-Files this is an unplanned question Johnny this is scripted <laughs> we're, we're off script now do you remember the Tombs episode the guy who could stretch himself and Eugene Victor no, I don't Tombs do you know it's a, that episode was creepy but if you actually read up on that actor in real life it's creepier 
Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, we've got done this before. Have we? Yeah, I think we have talked about this guy. Um, Brief yeah. summary. There, while, while you're looking that up, there's a the doctor from The Exorcist was actually a serial killer. There's a scene with a guy, and it's the doctor, you know, saying it's not what's wrong with her, you know, it's it's not her body, it's what's in her head. I've there's actually a guy, heard that before. There's a guy standing in the background, and he was a serial killer that was on the run, and was just clearly a psychopath who was just full of bravado. And they were like, "Hey, do you want to be in a movie?" And he's like, "I'm technically on the lamb, but yeah, I'd love to be in a movie. Let's do this." You've got a certain something. What is it? <laughs> Uncharted mania. Okay. <laughs> That's his um, ass. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, yeah, it was weird as well because I think it started off like a real sort of like um, underground kind of culty TV show. But it like by the time the 90s were over, it was being referenced in everything, you know? Yes, that's right. Like, like everyone was, was doing throwbacks to the X-Files by the end. The It was such a cultural linchpin. We were saying that Simpsons did it. There's the Bloodhound oh, yeah, Gang Simpsons, Yeah, yeah. I Simpsons that. did it. Um, the blue hand counselor. Your, your, your yeah. man who played Tombs is an American actor called Doug Hutchinson. Right. Um, he's been in like film wise. He's been in like uh, the Salt and Sea was probably and I Am Sam and stuff like that. They're probably the ones you know. Right, he was right. in Green Mile as well. He was one. Of oh the, yes, of course. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But that Green Mile was great. Um, it's very good. He's, is he creepy because he's a creeper? Is it creepy because creepy stuff happened to him? No, he's a creep because he's a creep. Um, so Aww. in 2011, at the age of 51, he married a 16-year-old um, singer. Ah. He's like a celebrity and all this. Like, and they, they, they got divorced recently. But it's like, like she's now 24. But, yeah. My, my uh wasn't at like the age gap actually. It was at like sixteen year olds in general. <laughs> oh yeah, who did that? Yeah, that's, teenagers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Gross. So, uh, uh, yeah, so that, that's my kind of uh, my takeaway from nineties TV, and of course the Simpsons, which I feel like most Irish kids kind of grew up quoting. And you know, everyone's got like a couple of people in your life that you speak you, to mostly through Simpsons quotes. Do you ever uh, when the Simpsons one was it always on a Thursday night? Um, I don't know. I was always just always on Sky One, like right after Star Trek, New. which I had no interest in. By the so way, so from five Thank to you. from five to six was uh, Star Trek reruns. Yeah. Um, yeah, and every time they went through a full run of, they only ever did Next Generation. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And whenever yeah, they went through the full run of Next Generation, then they started doing Buffy reruns. Um, <gasps> Buffy was great. Yeah, and that was Monday uh, to Friday, and then uh, six to half six was The Simpsons. Yeah, and I remember there was and days where they should have had a new episode, but they did a rerun, and I was no livid. Sundays. Just, Sundays was the new episode. Sundays at half it. six because they do from six till seven was the Simpsons, yep. but six till half six was a repeat, and then it's half six till seven was the new episode. I I remember being in like people's houses waiting for the the half six, and like the Simpsons coming on, I was like cool, and they're like Johnny, you heading home? We we might be doing dinner. I was like absolutely not. I'm sitting here. I'm like I'm I will stay here. in your house. Oh, you need to get your family ready for the week. Well, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I am watching The Simpsons. I'll be here until I hear the end of Glenrow, and that's the end of it. <laughs> Glenrow was the it was the siren call to the, people in there. That the, was the homework. To, yeah, what exactly. Yeah. Oh shit! I forgot oh, to do such home. and such. Yeah. I could go on. Um, yes, the, the the speaking of golden ages, the golden age of The Simpsons was that nineties run. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Up to season eight or nine. Yeah, about that. Yeah. But so much so that it's like it's seeped into all of our, you know, subconsciousness, and we we just like all jokes go back to the Simpsons for me yeah. now, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Scully, there's been another unsubstantiated <laughs> UFO sighting in Middle America. 
Well, Gene Mulder, there's also been this report that a shipment of guns and drugs are coming into New York Harbour. I hardly think the FBI would be concerned with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so silly. So good. I appreciate the silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's me. What about uh, you, Glenn? The there was kind of three that I just remember being like, because for me, I okay, so I started secondary school in '95. Okay. So I like it, for me it was the, the the what was the thing that you were talking about in school the next day. So you could into the water cooler moment, but it was like you know <laughs> waiting to go into first class and everyone standing around talking about oh did you see such and such, yeah. And X Files obviously was a big one. Um, Friends, which started in ninety four, oh, yeah. but we yeah. didn't get it in Ireland until like ninety five. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Father Ted. Oh, of course, course. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Those were the I, three big ones because Father Ted used to be shown Channel Four nine o'clock on a Friday, so you didn't get to talk to anyone about it until the Monday. Yeah. But it was myself yeah. and my mate Sean would sit there and watch it like every Friday. Um, and like, I don't know. I kind of hate the internet because without it, I never would have known how much of an arsehole Graham Lineman is on social media. Yeah. Yeah, continues to be. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. He got an official warning there the other day, but anyway. Oh, I didn't see that. Did he? he got an official warning from the British police because uh, he basically said something nasty to someone on Twitter. Why? Because but like incitement he... to hatred or like no, a no, 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 no. I think I think he called someone a cunt. Oh, right. Okay. And, oh, all right. But in England, that's enough for him to get an official warning off the police. That's so. crazy. I always like because I always like when people are like jackasses on the internet. I my oh, it's like well, there's no law against being an asshole. Like you, you can't you can't police for that. But apparently they're trying. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a, there's a there's a ton of them in England. Like it's, it's there's crazy. a I think there was a 17 year old kid who was sentenced to three years in prison for um for quoting rap lyrics or something because they used that's vulgarity or something stupid like this. It's 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 a disaster. But anyway, anyway, that's gone off and everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's just because it happened to Graham Linneman. Like, and I, I'm a big fan of Black Books. I'm a big fan of the IT crowd. But I don't think they've yeah. ever topped Father Ted. Father, no, Ted, Father Ted is, is like it, the density of jokes in that show was just unreal. Yeah, I've said this to people since then that there's on watching Father Ted episodes years later. There's ones where I was laughing so hard when I was a kid that I missed the next two jokes. Yeah, and then would catch up. And the next time I watched it, I was laughing so hard I'd still miss the next joke. And I'm still watching stuff now, going, "I'm still catching a joke here." <laughs> yeah, there was I, uh-huh. like I remember um, several years ago, 2013, myself and uh, two of my friends were sitting in uh, my apartment and we were getting ready. It was when I was going to the Toy Soldier World Championships. They were coming mm. and we were painting models, <laughs> but they'd never seen Fighter Ted. One of them was Danish, one of them was uh, Swiss. And I was like, "You've never seen Fighter sure. Ted?" And they're like, "No." I was like, "All right, I'll throw it on here because we just had it." Had they had they uh, been in Ireland for a while? Or did they, yeah, like, they yeah, hung yeah, out with you they, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and like they, they were being. You're like, this will make everything a little and bit more. This will be clear. Contextualized. Yeah. yeah, and they asked me to turn it off halfway through the first episode because they were laughing so hard they couldn't paint. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Amazing. all right, it was like, but you kind of like we'll watch it later, and they're like, oh yeah, definitely, but I, I can't. I, I'm trying to paint here, and I'm laughing too much, and I can't hold the brush <laughs> steady, and I'm like, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> it's like it, it's because for a long time I used to think of it as being the kind of. Ah, it's kind of a quintessential Irish thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's yeah. for me, it almost feels like you know you should, they should be handing out copies of it to people at the airport as they arrive. Oh, First yeah. time in Ireland, if you watch this, you'll understand what we talk about then. <laughs> yeah, and you'll understand yeah. how we talk to one another. Like you know, this is our so, syllabus. There you go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, kind of right. 
But I just um, remember it being such a big deal. And even though there was only 25 episodes over three seasons, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, we've talked about that before about how like some of the best comedies come in really short numbers. Yeah. There's oh, only six episodes yeah. of Police Squad. There's only 12 episodes of Faulty Towers. Yeah. And it's, mm. you know, it's, it's, um, it's impressive how well it's done and how well it's stood up. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's one yeah. that I remember missing an episode uh, because I was at a summer camp or something, and just like really, really having a moment where like I might never see that. I don't know how to <laughs> like I don't know when they do reruns of Father Time. I was like I might there might just be an episode now which I n- I never see. Fire. Yeah. What a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll also give a shout out to uh, Eurotrash and the Ibiza Uncovered and oh the entire my God, the, Eurotrash. the entire uncovered genre of thing I would see on Channel Four. There was an uncovered one coming up, and I was like, "Oh, I'll watch that! I think I think I'll see a boob later." <laughs> Put that on record. Yeah, and they show the boob at like the the twenty eight minute mark, and you're like, "Oh, guys, come on!" I know, just be back to the weird lad who like you know. Uh, it's puts metal pipes up as willy. Oh, that, yeah, that's that was your trash. That would be most of it, like. That they're coming up next. We have a sexy nun, and then it's a guy who collects cow dung and uses them as frisbees and like walks around naked on his farm. And I'm like, no, no, but listen, we're all here for the naked nun lady. Let's yeah. let's get back to that. You had to put up with the jackass bullshit to get to the the uni boob. Yes, that yes. single boob that I'm so interested in seeing. <sighs> with the voiceovers, <sighs> the Essex voiceovers. <laughs> Oh, kill the Yorkshire voiceover as well. There's like a French dude walking around saying "yeah, da 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 da," da. and they're like, "Oh, collect this dung and I'll fling it." Too accurate. Too accurate. Oh dear. Anyways. Fantastic. That's enough nineties now for a little while. It's enough nostalgia for the lot of you. Till till the next nineties come around. Yes, absolutely. We're, we'll be coming into the roaring 20s again soon. Oh, ah, God. we'll all be in a radiated mess by then. Uh, <sighs> one can hope, Glennon. One can hope. Yeah, it's looking that way. Uh, fantastic. I'll give a, a big shout out to the people from the Dark Side Detective. They met their Kickstarter goals. So fantastic. Yay, in fact, they met one of their Dark stretch goals. Dark Side Detective. Uh, well, on those, check those guys out uh, on Tintranets. Um, watch Glennon on the Braxifan uh, Twitch channel. He is uh, rocking eternal. Um, he plays all sorts of ridiculous jank but sure that's a fantastic reason to watch and don't try and solicit Sinead in real life at all yes don't <laughs> approach that is not a thing you need to do <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram at Pyramid Header uh, anything you want to add Glennon? Um, no <laughs> no we're good no I'm, I'm, I'm done I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, you're done you're out done. Uh, like and share tell a friend and have fun everybody I want to do the Yakko goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, Good night, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Cheers, all. Take care.